The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability explicit or implied shall be extended to W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. is January Jones. She is not a young, beautiful, talented actress on Mad Men. She is not an older, gorgeous, exotic dancer from the Johnny Carson Show. She is an author, and she wrote, Thou Shall Not Wine, the 11th Commandment, that reached number one at Amazon.com. She is a reality TV golf personality with World High Stakes Golf televised on HDNet. She is a humorist and winologist expert. She is your featured host today on January Jones Sharing Success Stories. So sit back, relax, and get ready to laugh and listen to Ms. Jones with her eclectic roster of guests as you learn life's lessons. These stories plus sharing equals success. Welcome and remember, beware. Because you are entering the no-whining world of January Jones. Hello, everyone. I hope you're having a wonderful day. I'm January Jones, and I'd like to invite you to our podcast today. As you see, I'm going with my new brand, wearing a glitter granny hat every week, a different color, Today, the color is brown. That's the color of the day. These hats are fun, and in life, as we all know, at different times, we all wear different hats. Some are fun, and some are difficult. Some are sad. It just depends on what mood we're in. As we begin the show, you know my mantra. It is to ask good questions and hope to get good answers. And I think we're going to have that today. For my listeners, let me ask you a question. Have you ever looked at your adorable pet and thought to yourself, I wonder if they'd be a good therapy dog? I know I have. Are you ready to discover the how, what, and why of pet therapy? Are you looking for a roadmap that will help you explore pet therapy? Would you like to meet someone who has done it and even written the book about it? (laughs) Have you ever heard about a wonderful book called A Tale of Love? Tale, T-A-I-L. Oh, I get it. (laughs) If you can answer yes or maybe to any of these questions, then you're in the right place. And I'd like to welcome you to January Jones sharing success stories. Now it's time, rest, relax, go take some, get some cheese, get some wine, take some time out for yourself today, and join us in the No Wine Zone. Let me tell you a little bit about my guest today. He is the owner of an investment firm located in Johnson City, Tennessee. Shortly after arriving in Johnson City from New York, he was informed about a pet therapy program at a local children's hospital in the area. 
Knowing his dog Scrappy would be a perfect therapy dog. Now, isn't that a great name? <laughs> they enrolled together, trained, and became certified. And Scrappy quickly became a rock star in the hospital. For eight years, they were a pet therapy team. Together, they visited with over 2,000 children and their families. Unfortunately, sadly, Scrappy passed away in 2019. It was then that my guest turned to writing to heal himself and to provide some self-therapy. Two years later, A Tale of Love, Life Lessons from Scrappy, a Pet Therapy Dog, was published. Today, it has won many awards, including the Ben Franklin Award, which is very prestigious. It's my pleasure to welcome to our podcast today, Larry Grogan. Hi, Larry. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's wonderful to have you. I've been looking forward to having you. Um, let's see. Now, before we go into our, our podcast, just briefly, could you uh, fill me in on how the pandemic has affected you and... Um, what things you have done to get through it? Well, for me, I, I work in my home anyway. So from a work perspective, it didn't present any unique challenges. Okay. It, obviously, it's just created that isolation that we all had to deal with. You know, it our ability to, to travel and visit with friends and, and do the social that we all love to um, take part of and enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, everyone has done different things. Now, the fact that you worked at home was probably quite an advantage for you when this came upon us. Um, now, when the pandemic came, did that affect pet therapy? Did that limit the uh, your ability for animals to connect with families and children? It did. Um, Everything shut down, you know, so even hospitals were shut down to visit, and of course meant that therapy was no longer admitted uh, at the hospital, as well as any other facility, whether it's a nursing home, a school, or whatever the case might be. So when things, when the facility shut down, it shut down all those programs that made life more enjoyable for those that had to stay in those facilities. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, fortunately, we're back on track, aren't we? And you're, this is continuing, and people are able to visit. Now, do um, the, you still have to, do they still have to wear a mask when they go to older places for older people? In the hospitals, masks are, are required. Okay. Um, nursing homes, it depends on the location and what their specific um, requirements are. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're to be in pet therapy, you need to be prepared for that. Okay. When you think about pet therapy, I know nothing about it. I'm interested in it, like most people who have pets. How did you, who did you hear about it from? Who told you about it? I heard from one of my neighbors who had a dog that had previously been involved in pet therapy, and it, it just interested me. And when I did the research, I learned that the children's hospital where I live mm-hmm. offered pet therapy training. And so we signed up and went through the training program. Oh, my gosh. Now, well, now, what kind of dog was Scrappy? 
Scrappy was five pounds of toy poodle chihuahua mix. Uh, it's absolutely beautiful. That's a little portrait of her over my shoulder, the other one. Okay, yeah. During the break, I want you to take that down and bring it up closer so we can I see it. Wow. Uh, yeah, she's a tiny little dog, full of life, loved to be around other animals, loved to be around people. And when we went to training, the very first day, her best buddy was a great day. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. They sit next to each other. So you had you know, the tiny little stag, and then you had the tall Dane right next to you. Okay. So that's good news for all our listeners because it doesn't matter what kind of dog you have or what size they, they are. Now, in order to get into pet training, did you have to take a, uh, an interview or fill out forms? How does, that, how does it begin the process? The process is very simple. You, you show up, number one, with a group of, you know, how many other people are participating. And really the first part of the process is just an evaluation of the dog. Does okay. the dog have the temperament mm-hmm. and, and the friendliness along with the other animals in the room and with the people? That's really the very first thing. It's just to evaluate the temperament of your dog. And then from there, you just go into basic obedience training. There wasn't really anything difficult. It just took effort and it took time. Now, they would throw in some unusual aspects of training. Uh, so, for example, one of the things that they want to make sure happens is that your dog and you, for example, do not overreact to loud noises. So they would walk behind us banging pots and pans. Mm-hmm. You know, just a sudden loud noise, and I never saw a dog overreact. Now I overreacted. I mean, it scared me because they were right behind me. But the dogs never overreacted to any focus they were trying to do and what they were trying to accomplish. And you know, probably the first thing that they did in training was they put a hot dog in the middle of the floor. Okay. One of the requirements was you have to walk within a few feet of that hot dog and not have your dog lunge for it or try to get it. And so mm-hmm. as you're going by, one of the things they teach is just hold the leash a little bit tighter. Yeah. Leave it, leave it, leave it, and just keep walking by. But just okay. to give yourself that opportunity or your dog the opportunity to stop and even smell it. Just keep moving right by. Okay. Now, uh, let me ask you, how old was Scrappy when you signed up for this program? It was four. <laughs> Most of the dogs want to be at least two years or older. Okay. So they kind of get the puppiness out of them by that stage. They're a little bit more mature. They hopefully have been socialized um, in a variety of different ways and have those life experiences that always help us all. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, socializing puppies is so important. Like you, we uh, lost our beloved dog. And, uh, of course, like most people, we just were devastated, heartbroken. At that time, we thought, oh, we'll never get another dog. We just couldn't take the pain of loss. But then we realized really quickly that we actually couldn't live 
without a dog. <laughs> so there we were, uh, well, close to within a month, we were there with a puppy. <laughs> I thought, oh my gosh, what have we gotten into? But you know, now that I look back, it was just the right thing for us to do. And I know it's a different thing for different people. Um, how long does the uh, how long does the training take when you would want to do this? Our training took six weeks. Six weeks. Six weeks, and so you go through the training, and then you have a test at the end, and then you submit all your paperwork, your vets, uh, documents, and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And then depending on where you want to go, there may be some additional requirements. So, for example, Scrappy and I knew that we want to go to the children's hospital. Uh-huh. Well, they had to do a background check on me okay. to make sure that there wasn't anything unusual in my background. But for nursing homes and schools and other locations, most of them do not have those kind of requirements. But the most important thing to keep in mind through the training is that you are a team. So not only is your dog being evaluated, but you're being evaluated as a handler to make sure that you're keeping your animal under control at all times. Wow. I'm very excited about having you on the show and sharing this with our listeners. I'm also very excited to share my book, Thou Shalt Not Wine, the 11th Commandment. Lately, there's a whining epidemic in our world. People are even whining about whining. Are you sick and tired of listening to everyone whining all the time? So was January Jones, the author of Thou Shall Not Whine, the 11th commandment that reached number one at Amazon.com. Ms. Jones based her book on a survey of the top 10 things that people whine about at all ages and all stages of life. January is a success coach that can tell you how to help others. When you buy Thou Shalt Not Whine, the 11th commandment, you'll find out what people whine about and how to stop them from whining. This is the perfect gift book to give or get for any occasion. Thou Shall Not Wine was voted the best gift to be given anonymously for those special people in your life. Ms. Jones is an internationally known author in the style of Irma Bombeck, specializing in housewife humor with her book being published in Korea and China. You can find Thou Shall Not Wine at Amazon.com. Welcome back with my guest, Larry Groban. And Larry, before we go on, would you share with my listeners how they can get your book and also how they can contact you if they have any questions? Absolutely. I, from a book perspective, of course, you can go to Amazon. Buy it there. You can go to Barnes & Noble. Um, also have an app called Bookie Call, B-O-O-K-Y-C-A-L-L. Um, you can find it on there. It's kind of like a, a dating app for books. Okay. Or you can go to our website. Our website is atelloflove.com, T-A-I-L. Okay. And uh, our engineer will put that on the screen. And if you're watching, you can see it below and write it down if you have any interest in doing this. Uh, I would suggest before doing this, you definitely should read Larry's book because he'll give you the ins and outs. Now, when your therapy dog, did, did, did Scrappy wear a vest or how did you, people know she was so important? Um, Scrappy did not wear a vest. I, I don't know if they made a vest that small 
to be honest with you. But she did wear a tag. She had a tag that identified herself as a pet therapy dog. Um, but what this hospital would do, they had our schedule. They knew when we would arrive, and we were escorted. So they always, the, the patients always knew that pet therapy was coming that day in advance. And so we would go to the nurse's station and get a list of room numbers that wanted a visit from Scrappy, and we'd just go knock on the door and spend time with them. Okay. And uh, how have you visited over 2,000? <laughs> how did you, how many a day, and how did you find the time, and how did the schedule work out? You know, in a situation like this, for me, because I'm still working, uh-huh. this, you have to make that decision to make time. Okay. And that was just part of what I felt was my responsibility to my community. I began to understand that pet therapy was philanthropy. It was a way that we could give back and know that we're doing something good. Because when you walk into a child's room at a hospital mm-hmm. and I'm holding Scrappy on my arm, she would sit on my forearm oh. and say, would you like a visit from Scrappy? And you see that smile, <clears throat> excuse me, come on their face. You know that your philanthropy is having an immediate impact. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's important for us that we just made the decision, this is something that we're going to do. And our typical schedule would be just one day of a month. Oh, okay. So it wasn't a high demand, but Scrappy was just so popular. And we had situations where we might get called in. So oh. I, I write about in the book that Scrappy was on call. And so it was just a situation where if a child was just having a really bad day and they could not calm them down or do anything to help them, we might get a phone call and say, would you mind stopping in with Scrappy? And that's what we would do. Okay. Now, um, how many, okay, so you'd go once a month. How long did you do that? Because 2,000 visits, that's a lot. (laughs) Well, we did it for eight years. Okay. And so you're going to see anywhere from 20 to 40 children in, for one visit. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So you, you go to every single room. They're not, you know, collectively in a room. You go to every single private room. Oh. Now, that makes it so interesting, January, and I think where a lot of people, until you get in it, you don't completely understand, but this is what I want to share with you and your listeners is that the nurses need pet therapy as much as anybody. You know, they are dealing with um, a child that is suffering, and they take in a lot of that energy as well. And so they need time with Scrappy also. And so we spent a lot of time with the nurses after we visited with all the children and their families. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, you, are there any memorable stories that you could share with our listeners today uh, that would let us know how wonderful it was and how you felt it was so helpful? Yeah, you know, there's, there's a lot of stories. As I said, you're, you're always going to have that situation where you just immediately see the smile on the child's face. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but there were other situations where we walked into a room. Uh, we were asked to go visit the very first of the day. Mm-hmm. This young boy was about to get his chemo. Oh. And you could hear him crying. Excuse me. Okay. Yeah. You could hear him crying all the way down the hall. So we just went in, and he was sitting on a bench, and I put Scrappy right next to him, and he just held her the whole time. And, you know, the the crying eventually just kind of calmed down and eased everybody that was in the room, including his mother. Because as a mother, when you can't help your child feel any better, you know, you're just, you're hurting too. And so Scrappy was able to sit with him, and she actually got real close to him at one point. He was crying because it, it was beginning to burn as it was entering his body. And he went out to his mother. And I watched Scrappy just move herself closer to him. And when that happened, his hand came around to her chest. Mm-hmm. And he could feel her heartbeat. Oh. He just calmed down immediately, and everything just went smoothly at that point in time. But those are the unique situations. There's others that I'll cry over as well, but that's the one that I will never forget. Yeah, that that's a heartbreaker too. That. And so that just by holding the small animal. That was comfort, hearing the heartbeat and touching. Uh, I think just the touching and petting, just that for a sick child. Now tell me a little bit about, I know you've gone to Children's Hospital. Did you also visit older people with Scrappy? We did occasionally. Um, We would, again, get special requests because everybody knew Scrappy in town. This is a small town where we live. Oh, okay. Occasionally we'd get... um, calls to, to make a special visit, uh, whether it's a friend in the hospital or a nursing home, um, occasionally at schools. And that's really where we're beginning to get a lot of interest now with pet therapy. It's actually at the college level. Oh, okay. Really? And yeah. That's interesting. That, that surprises me to hear that. Well, you, you, you said something earlier, and that was how when you pet a dog, it makes you feel so much better. And there's actually medical research that shows that the simple act of petting the dog lowers your heart rate, lowers your blood pressure, reduces anxiety, all the while increasing your mental alertness. And so what we're learning is that on college campuses, the students at this generation have had so much to deal with. They've had COVID, they've had school shootings, and unfortunately more school shootings. So anxiety is a major problem. And so what many institutions have done is they've introduced pet therapy twice a year. And if you think about that, so why twice a year? That's because of exams. they, They ask volunteers to come by during exam time. But if you think about it on a bigger scale, students have anxiety more often than just during exams. So what I'm trying to do is work with administrators to introduce pet therapy on a full-time basis so that we can help reduce the anxiety. And that could possibly address some bigger issues down the road as well, because there's a, there's a 40% national dropout rate 
of our college students as well. So pet therapy may be part of that solution as well. Well, I think that's brilliant because uh, animals are so helpful and I never really thought about it in terms of school. I'm sure, uh, I'm sure some veterinarian schools will probably want you to speak there and share your knowledge with them. And right now I'm going to share my books about the Kennedy assassination. Let me ask you a question. Are you still wondering who killed Kennedy? Over 50 years later, the assassination is still a mystery. It is unfinished business for our country. Now, get ready for a theory that you've never heard before, but will make more sense than any other conspiracy theory that you've ever heard in the past. January Jones speaks the unspeakable in her book, Jackie, Ari, and Jack, The Tragic Love Triangle, connecting Jackie and Aristotle Onassis romantically prior to JFK's assassination. Did you know that Ari was Jackie's guest in the White House during the JFK funeral? He was the only non-family member who was invited by Jackie to stay there during the funeral. Aristotle Onassis was one of the wealthiest men in the world, with the means, the motive, and the money to order an assassination that was the perfect crime of the last century. Ari needed class, and Jackie needed cash. They were perfect for each other. Now, what is Camelot? It is but another tragic love triangle. Jackie, Ari, and Jack is available at JanuaryJones.com, Amazon.com, and Audiobooks.com, read by Ms. Jones. Welcome back with my delightful guest, Larry Groban. And we're talking about a book that he wrote, A Tale of Love. And it's the story about Larry and his wonderful pet, Scrappy, and their eight-year adventure doing pet therapy, primarily at a children's hospital, but also with older people. Now, when we talked about your book, you said, this is your one and only book. Tell us about <laughs> what made, I'm a writer, so I, I want to hear this. What made you decide to write the book, and uh, how long did it take, and how difficult? Well, it, it was very difficult for me. Number one, it was nothing that I ever considered doing. Uh, for me, writing became my personal therapy when Scrappy passed away. Okay. So when she passed away, I might think of something that I just wanted to share with her. So I would take just the corner of a piece of paper and write a little note, fold it up, I'd put it with her ashes. And then those notes became letters, and then the letters became stories. And so the first anniversary of her passing, I decided I wanted to collect all these and organize it. So I went away for a long weekend and got that done. But I kept writing these stories because I kept remembering, you know, reflecting on our time together and thinking about all of our shared experiences. Okay. And then the second anniversary of her passing, uh, I just I was doing more of the same. Mm -hmm. And so after that trip back to New York where we used to live, I shared it with a friend of mine. And she said, you've got to get this published. Yeah. Uh, I'm a neophyte. I know nothing about getting things published. I mean, you're looking at someone that barely reads books. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I certainly had no idea how to get one published. 
<laughs> I went through that process and you know it was it was two years it was a little bit more than two years from her passing mm-hmm. that the book actually finally became published um, now from my experience that's that's a good number two years is usually what any wonderful quality book takes out of you and um, I'm looking at it you said it was your therapy um, how old, uh, how did you get Scrappy? Did you buy her, adopt her, or find her, or how did she come into your life? Well, people often ask me if she was rescued, and oh. I said, not in the traditional sense. Uh-huh. At the time, I, w- I was dating someone who had Scrappy originally, but she also had a four-year-old that oh. just terrorized Scrappy. <laughs> Anytime he would enter the room, she would run to me for protection. Uh-huh. And so when our relationship ended, we both agreed it was in everybody's best interest if Scrappy came with me. So uh, that's, that's how it happened. I love it because you rescued Scrappy from a four-year-old. <laughs> that's exactly right. And out on the way out the door, you took the dog. <laughs> that's, that's exactly how it happened. Oh, great. That's a good story. You know, I'm looking at your story of uh, pet therapy to help children, to help older people, but I've seen it basically as a two-way street. I'm seeing it as the opportunity to help others, but I'm also seeing it as an opportunity for older people who have pets and love their pets and enjoy them and they're thinking maybe they would like to share their pets. And I think that's probably the way people would get led into pet therapy, don't you think? You're, you're exactly right. The, the typical pet therapy team is someone like you and I. You know, mm-hmm. we're older. Mature, we're older. We may be retired. We're looking for something to do. Uh-huh. Um, and that's the typical pet therapy team. And this is why it's so important that we need to get more people involved because there's only 50,000 certified pet therapy teams in the United States. Uh-huh. Now, that sounds like a big number. Yeah. When yeah. we were talking about college students, there's 20 million college students in the United States. Yeah. So that's one dog for every 400 students, and that's just not a realistic ratio. Uh-huh. So I really am on a mission to advance the topic of pet therapy, encourage people to get involved with it and understand really the benefits of it, not only for the person that you're visiting, but for yourself. Absolutely. It is a form of philanthropy and you begin to appreciate what you have um, as a donor, you know, per se with your dog, your animal and Mm -hmm. the benefit that they're going to give someone else. Now, for people uh, who are listening to our show throughout the country, well, throughout the world, uh, where do they go uh, to find pet therapy? Is it local? Or are they national, international? How does one get started? Well, the first thing I would suggest is go to our website, again, ataleoflove.com, and there's a resource tab on that okay. site. And on that tab, you're going to find the, the largest pet therapy organizations in the country. Okay. And you can click on them and find one in your area or someone somewhere close. 
and you can reach out to them, find out where their next training program is, what's involved, how much it's going to cost, and what they expect so that you've got an idea of whether or not this is going to be something that's really going to work for you. And your mission is to quadruple the number of therapy teams in this country. That's a a big job you've got ahead of you. I'm so glad you could come on the show and share this because I know so many of our listeners are at that stage where you're retired and you really, you know, everything gets to be the same old, the same old, the same old. And this would be a way to break out of the cycle and be with young people and wonderful animals. Uh, I'm hoping people listening will go to your website, A Tale of Love, and consider doing this. And what are the health implications of doing pet therapy? Well, the implications are, are tremendous because researchers have learned that when you're with a dog or an animal, you know, there's immediate health benefits, whether it's your blood pressure going down, your anxiety going down. And if you think about it, if you are injured, for example, or you're just mentally um, not what you should be, the first thing that you have to do to begin the healing process is to remove the anxiety. And if you can remove the anxiety, then everything else is going to fall in place. The lower heart rate, the lower blood pressure. Those are the real benefits of pet therapy. But the simple act of owning a dog is very beneficial as well because that dog needs to be walked. It needs to be cared for. So it forces us to get out of our chairs, get off the couch, spend some time in the quality outdoors, and socialize. You Mm -hmm. You go to the park. You share you know, experiences with other people. And so that, you know, you and I have an opportunity to meet new people, understand Mm -hmm. their life situation. We can share ours. And it just becomes a much more harmonious community that we can create by owning a dog. Yeah, I know we're doing that uh, since we got our puppy. And since we're older and we can't take our puppy out jogging, uh, every, every day we go to a wonderful park here in Sarasota. It's called Adventure Park. And we all go at different times during the day. Of course, it's open all day. It's three acres of property that we can just, when you take go in, you take the dog's leash off, and they're all allowed to just run free, play, uh, dogs socialize. But On the other hand, as you're pointing out, it's also time for the puppy owners to socialize, to get out and to meet other people and get out of that rocking chair. Uh, It's such a good thing to do, a healthy thing to do. How can we get more people to do it? (laughs) That's a great question. And I don't know what the real answer is, but I will tell you this. There's 69 million dog families in the United States. Wow. So that's a huge opportunity for people to get out and and do those types of things. You know, buy the leash, just walk up and down the streets in your neighborhood if, if that's what you have available. But again, it just gives you that opportunity to uh, get some exercise, 
address maybe some of the obesity and diabetes issues that this country deals with in a major way, lower your heart rate, your blood pressure. There's just so many tangible benefits, and I'm sure there's some untangible benefits as well, um, getting that with your dog. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I definitely agree. You know, we're going to take a break uh, and hear about two wonderful books that I have that are about priceless personalities who have been on the show. And uh, when we come back, I'm going to bring Ginger Ale on so she can meet Larry and you can all see how much fun I'm having with my puppy. Have you ever met someone who was unforgettable? Someone who has touched your heart and soul? People who have faced difficult problems? People who have struggled to find solutions? People who fearlessly shared their stories? People who have not only informed you, but inspired you. People who have priceless personalities. I have been fortunate to host an internet radio talk show called January Jones Sharing Success Stories. And it has been my privilege to interview hundreds of guests. My guests have shared their stories, their struggles, their secrets, and their successes in their own words. In this book, we're talking about people dealing with problems such as incest, molestation, runaway kids, child abuse, drug abuse, polygamy, unemployment, scandal, and starting over. Then there are my guests dealing with difficult physical struggles such as blindness, cancer, and birth defects that are beyond traumatic. My guests have all been exciting, eclectic, and energizing. They have amazed, amused, and even astonished me. I have adored getting to meet them, and I adore sharing them with you. Attention all listeners, Priceless Personalities, Success Stories Shared by January Jones, Volume 2 is now available at Amazon.com in paperback and Kindle editions. You'll be able to meet 10 amazing people who will be sharing their own personal stories with all their struggles, successes, and solutions sprinkled with lots of humor and hope. Priceless Personalities features a teenager who becomes one of the famous Supremes from Motown, a nurse who has a humorist helps people to heal, an inspiring laughter yoga instructor, a mother dealing with the loss of a child, an incredible motivational speaker, a woman who married five times, a gifted paranormal nurse, a wise economist, a funny female humorist, along with an older man sharing his sweet childhood in the deep south. January's guests are all amazing and amusing. You will never forget meeting them. Go to Amazon.com for your own priceless experience. Welcome back, and I'd like everyone to meet Ginger Ale. <laughs> oh, there she is. <laughs> now, Ginger Ale, uh, she just celebrated her first birthday, and she's had 12 weeks of training, uh, puppy training, and intermediate, and now she's going to be going to her advanced training, and we're hoping at that point she'll be accepted as a service dog. But we're also definitely going to look into pet therapy for her, bye bye, <laughs> and for us. I think it's a, a two-way street, and we're encouraging anyone who has a pet to consider it for you and your pet. What else do we want to share with people about getting them to do this, Larry? Well, I, I think 
the, the one thing that everybody needs to understand is, and you said it just a minute ago, it's a two-way street. When you're involved in pet therapy, you are giving something of value to a patient, a friend, or a stranger, and that's the love that your dog is going to provide. The beautiful thing about animals is they don't discriminate. They just don't know the difference, and they don't really care. They are there to share their passion and pass it on to whoever is willing to accept it. Mm-hmm. So that's really the beauty of what animals provide us. And for us, those of us who own the dog will be their handler, we get to observe and see that appreciation that is being received. And that's why I refer to it as philanthropy. It doesn't always have to be financial. But at the end of the day, philanthropy is giving back and doing something good for your community, something good for your neighborhood. And that's what pet therapy can do. And so I would encourage everyone, if you have a dog that you love, maybe someone else is going to love them too. Keep that aspect in mind and really look into getting involved in pet therapy, where your resources are. If you have any questions, reach out to us. We'll be more than happy to assist you. Wonderful. And on the bottom of the screen, Larry's website is being scrolled across, so you could write it down and go to it. You know, the wonderful thing about uh, animals, all animals, we're not just talking about dogs, we're talking about cats and other animals, too. It's the unconditional love. And it's, uh, you know, my husband always tells a story about if he were to lock me in a closet and lock our dog in a closet after two hours, I would be very upset. But guess what? The dog would be happy to see him. (laughs) So, So it's for people who need companionship. If you're alone and you want to experience unconditional love in your life, the way to do it is one of the ways, one of the many ways to do it is through animals and bringing those into your life. And then, as you said, Larry, sharing them with other people. What a gift to give and to get. I agree. And to me, there's no better way of doing that. Mm, Yeah. This is wonderful. It's been uh, great to share you with our listeners. Now, I have a question to ask you, and this is something I ask everyone who's on the show before we close out. If you could have anyone besides me to have dinner with, (laughs) (laughs) living or dead, who would you like to have a dinner with? Oh, gosh. That's a hard one. I'd say it's hard because there's really two. One would be my father, and and the other would be Scrappy. Scrappy, mm-hmm. yeah. Because yeah. one of the things I loved about having dinner with Scrappy is that she always waited to eat her food until I was done. Oh. And because she knew I would put just a thumbnail amount of my food on top of hers. But after she finished every meal, she would want to sit in my lap, and she'd sit back and I'd rub her chest and she would belch the loudest belch you could ever imagine uh-huh. coming out of a five pound body. 
and that I would love to experience that again. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a fun day. You know, if you're going to do that, well, I'll come and bring ginger ale. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> the four of us could have a fun time. Um, you know, when we're talking about sharing, especially during after this pandemic and all the difficult things that have happened, this is probably, in my opinion, one of the easier ways to share and to improve your life. Don't you agree? I think you're right. You know, and I had not thought about it that way, but I think you're touching on something that is bigger than it sounds because it's easy to do. It's just so easy to do. And there's no reason for us not to do it. And so I think you're, you're really touching on something very important. Yeah. And you know, if you're lonely, I have to tell this story. If you're lonely, a pet is a great way to meet people. Uh, the other day, my husband and I, uh, we took ginger ale with us to uh, Costco. And since she's in training for therapy, she wears a little vest. And we go into the store. I'm shopping, doing one thing or another. And we kind of get separated. And then by the end of the day when we find each other, my husband tells this cute story. Well, he was off roaming around with Ginger Rail, two different women. came up to him thinking he was alone, which he was at the moment. And they came up to him and they said, you know, I would really like to take you home with me. Provided you bring your dog. <laughs> and I thought, well, what a hook. You know? <laughs> Didn't know Costco was that popular. Yeah, yeah, get a little dog and the world will open. You'll meet all kinds of people coming and going. And uh, and also, it, 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 I, I encourage people to get training for their dog. Sure. Because one of the joyful things is once you can actually get them trained, and you talk about talking to Scrappy, well, I feeling like I'm getting an uh, opportunity to commute uh, with our little puppy. She's now learning to bark, uh, tell me certain things, and uh, animals can talk, can't they? They really can. They, they all have their own way of doing it. Scrappy only barked during one situation, and that's if you had not touched her. Oh. So if, if someone would come into the house that she knew, uh-huh and you had not petted her yet, that's the only time she would ever bark, was to get your attention to reach down and uh-huh. pick her up and, and rub her chest. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's, your, that's right. But, but they all have their own way of communicating, both silent and out loud. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you can't discard We have that. to be keen enough to understand what it is that they're trying to share with us. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, they can talk, but guess what? You have to listen and you have to have to learn how to listen to animals. There's uh, more ESP going back and forth between humans and animals than most people realize. And as my, she's going back for more training and my husband said, well, I don't know. 
it's we need to go back. She has us trained so well. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, yeah, if for training us, she gets an A plus, but for us training her, I think we need to go back to school and, and get this thing down right. Um, this has been wonderful having you with us, and thank you for sharing your time and sharing your wonderful book. To my dear listeners, I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have, and my upcoming guests will all be energizing and eclectic, just like Larry Grogan. Next Tuesday, I'm looking forward to welcoming a psychic, Ann Johnson, who will be coming to visit, and what a fascinating life she has led. Now, my 79-year-old thought for the day, if a woman says, do what you want, what she's actually saying is, do not do what you want. You need to stand still, do not breathe, and play dead. (laughs) Which I'm probably going to tell my husband next time I take him to Costco. (laughs) So now we're signing off from the rhinestone glitter granny in Sarasota and Larry Growing in Tennessee. Thank you for entering the No Wine Zone with us today. And remember to share our stories and our show with everyone you know. And our message about pet therapy is an incredibly powerful message. And also you need to remember to stop whining and start smiling. And if that doesn't work, then you can just go out and eat chocolate, lots and lots of chocolate. Thank you again, Larry, and you're welcome to come back anytime. Thank you, Larry. It was a real pleasure. It's been fun. To my listeners, take care and stay safe until we meet again next Tuesday at 2 p.m. We want to thank you for listening to January Jones Sharing Success Stories. Always remember Ms. Jones' personal mantra, if you can think it, you can do it. That's what all of our guests have done with their lives, and so can you. You are the ultimate success coach in your own life. All you need to do will be to start sharing your own story with your family and friends. We hope that our guest stories will encourage you to explore an equation in your future that will combine your creativity, plus connecting with others will enable you to be successful too. Always remember, your passion plus your purpose will equal prosperity as you explore the wonderful world of January Jones.